The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. Is worthy of our imitation. And that's why I wanted him to, to speak. Uh, he's going to take 30, 40 minutes to talk about um, how... Can we honor God with our money? How can we glorify God with our money? And we're going to have a time of question and answer afterwards. This can be a, like a practical question, like how do you and Jill uh, do a budget? Or it could be a, a theological question for him. So as he's going along, if you have a question, just kind of tuck that away, and we'll have a time of question and answer later. Um, yeah, so without further ado, Kyle, would you lead us? Am I on? So when he was talking about, thanks, Brian. Um, Brian, when you were talking about the people who would rather get poked in the eye than talk about money, that's, that's me. I'm just kidding. Um, you guys can laugh. That's okay. Um, everybody hear me okay? Everybody got their, their pad, their pen, ready to rock? Um, hear, me, hear me on a few thoughts. Um, just for the sake of time, uh, I won't go through all I, all I planned, um, but hear me, hear me on a few thoughts before we start. First, thank you. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for not um, putting up the picket signs, protesting out front, throwing tomatoes. Um, you know, save those for later, maybe. But seriously, no, it comes from Virginia Heart. Like, thank you. Like, it means a lot to see you guys uh, here, and thank you. Um, let me also start by saying this. So when it comes to money... Um, and, and finances, the only way that um, I can, Jill and I can make healthy strides, and the only way that over time we can see money more clearly is by Jesus, it's through Jesus, and by God's grace. just want to say that. <clears throat> I by no means um, have arrived anywhere, I'm just an ordinary dude like all of us are, except John Kleinschmidt. Um, <laughs> sorry, man. But you know what? God loves to use, I had to do it, man, I'm sorry. Um, God loves to use ordinary people, and you, John, um, to do extraordinary things. Okay, we gotta, go, we, got, we gotta know that. God loves to use us to do extraordinary things through his power and to give himself the most glory. So I know many of you sitting here are doing money well. Uh, some of you sitting here maybe aren't doing money well. Um, no one has more experience than God. Trust God. No one has more knowledge than God. Trust God. Okay, I want to reset, <clears throat> reset ourselves before we get into some nuts and bolts. First Timothy 6 says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, fight the good faith, take a hold of eternal life um, to which you were called. Okay, so like no matter where you're at on the spectrum, you think you're doing money well, you don't think you're doing money well, take a hold <clears throat> of the faith and of the eternal life which is called fight the good fight. Okay, be encouraged. Wherever you are, wherever you are tonight applies to you and be encouraged, okay? Um, I'm probably going to hit this thing, and this thing's going to fall off on me, so just letting you know. Uh, my overarching heart for this forum is this. I want to equip you, and I want to point you to Christ. Okay, so I want to equip you, and I want to point you to Christ, to Christ. Don't focus on me. Don't focus on the next big idea, the next fad. Um, focus on Scripture. Like Brian said, I don't want to reiterate everything he said, but um, let Scripture inform the way you approach your finances, okay? Brian mentioned, too, there's a lot of feelings. There's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of experiences that's just life and that's just how it is right and and it's legit like but what I want to do 
what I want us to do tonight is like take those feelings, emotions, experiences, like, yeah, we have to view money through that in a sense, but set that aside. And the reason I say this is let Scripture speak to you, okay? Um, focus on Scripture. Focus on what it has to say. Um, Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom for the future. Okay, so let the Bible inform the way that you view money. Um, and then as you see what Scripture says, obey it, essentially. That's, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. So it's loosen up the tie, so to speak. Like Brian said, like money's not necessarily uh, you know, a topic we all love to, love to, love to chat about. It's not we, something we blast on the billboard for all to see. Uh, but we'll loosen the tie. Um, I feel like this is an area where God wants to grow us in. Okay, but I also feel like it's an area where we can put up walls. Um, so like, like let's, let's, let's allow God to speak to us. Like Todd said, like open your hand. Let God speak to us, okay? Um, be sensitive. God loves you. He'll never leave you. His word doesn't turn, turn out void. Don't worry, okay? Wherever you're at, don't worry. There's two things we don't do in our house. We don't whine and we don't worry with our kids. And so worry is like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it'll never take you anywhere, okay? A um, handful of thoughts that were hitting me. Let, let, let me go through these real quick, and then, and then again, we'll get started. Um, don't make it complicated, all right? Don't make money complicated. God's clear. He hasn't left us alone. 1 Corinthians 14 is talking about orderly worship, but at the end it says, like, God's not a God of confusion. He's got a peace, right? Like, when it comes to money, tonight, even now, you're sitting here, like, don't, don't make it complicated, all right? Make it simple. I have one takeaway. Number two, um, we're at an equipping form, right? So leave here with, with something that you didn't have when you came in, right? Whether it's something I said, whether it's scripture, whether it's something you took, whether it's, a, whether it's Q&A, whether it's a video, leave here with something that you didn't have. Um, take something away, Okay. Um, I really want to encourage us to do that. Sow good seeds. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about our behavior. It's like sowing seeds, right? So God is not mocked for whatever, you know, you sow, you will reap, right? Wherever one sows, that will also reap. Sow good seeds. When it comes to money, sow good seeds. Um, I also want to warn us, too, like this is a serious discipline. Like I want to take it easy, right? Like relax, you know, uh, loosen the tie a little bit. It's okay, don't worry. But it's also like serious, right? Like Deuteronomy 28 talks about, the chapter is divided into, into two parts, like the blessings for obedience and to the Israelites and the curses for disobedience, right? And there's 60, 68 verses in that chapter, and 53 of those verses are curses for the Israelites disobeying God, right? And so the bulk of that chapter is lined out to those who disobey and, like, and, and what that means. Um, Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, I think the men's study chatted about that a few weeks ago. Like, go back and read it. And so I don't say that to be like, oh, wow, this is some, like, legalistic thing. This is some scare tactic or anything like that. But what I do want to say is as believers and as lovers of Jesus who are in this room, if we want to do money well, if we want to honor God with our finances, we have to have a healthy view of, of what money is, how do we view it, how do we steward it, how do we give it. Um, that has to be in place. We must have a healthy outlook on money. This is a serious discipline. Uh, so know that. Two more things. Be encouraged. Um, you can change through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, if you've been sitting here tonight, like, be encouraged. Wherever you're at when it comes to money, um, be encouraged. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. He'll make your path straight. Um, be encouraged. There's a wise man said one time, he's actually sitting in this room. I give the analogy of, like, if you paint a wall um, and you don't like the color of the wall, like, you're, you know, maybe you and your wife paint the wall, paint the wall and you're standing there, you don't like the color, like, you can just go get another gallon of paint and, like, like do it over again right so wherever you're out of money if you're like man i don't like where i'm at like you know through god's power through the holy spirit you can change where you're at just go get another gallon of paint paint over it be encouraged okay lastly know there's grace where we're all at know there's grace um isn't there brokenness just all around us 
right? Like, where we're at, like, is there not just brokenness, like, all around it, all around us? And a lot of it, like, it's source to sin, right? You take that, whatever that brokenness is, you go, you go down the path of sourcing, root cause, it's sin, right? But along that path, man, I think a lot of times we'll find that, um, we'll find that money's involved, right? Money can be a stressor. So much of it can be sourced to money, the brokenness. Uh, repent, believe God's word, trust in Christ, and be free to pursue God's good design when it comes to money, okay? Uh, I want to redeem the time. I don't want to waste it. I feel like I've taken too much already. Uh, let me pray, and then, and then we'll get started, okay? Holy Spirit, uh, we invite you in here. Move me aside. Set me aside, Holy Spirit, and speak. We invite you into this room to move. God, hold back what we rightly deserve and give us what we don't deserve. Uh, Holy Spirit, um, be long-winded. Help me to be not long, be long-winded, but you be long-winded. Uh, teach us among all our situations tonight. We want to hear from you. Teach us. It's by the power of Christ uh, that we pray these things in confidence. In your name, amen. So, again, it's good to see you guys. So now is when, is, is when we're really going to get started, okay? Um, we're going to transition now to the paper that you have, hopefully with the pen that you have. Um, we're going to answer this question. Everything that we are going to talk about tonight is going to flow through this question of how do we glorify God with our money, with our finances, use synonymously. How do, how do you glorify God with your money? How do I glorify God? How do we glorify God with our money? We're going to look at three simple ways. First, we're going to a piece of paper. The first way we can do it is by viewing money rightly. That's how we view it. The first way we can glorify God with our money is how we view it. On your piece of paper, by viewing it rightly. Let's look at some present-day views on, what, on, on money. And, and let me just like kind of combat them with Scripture. Some present-day views on your piece of paper. Some people think money is evil. Some people say money is evil. Money can't be good. Right? Some people all say money is great. Right? It can't be bad. Money's great. Money's money's good. Money's not evil. Money's evil. Money's not good. Um, and, and we got to know this. And I, and I think I think we all have a category for it. Inherently, money is neither good or evil. Right? Um, it's neutral, and it depends on the use, and it depends on the user. M- money in itself depends on the user, the heart, and it depends on the use. Right? It's like Honestly, I was trying to think like of something to equate to. It's like a brick, right? Like it's a, it's a, it's money's, uh, you know, piece of paper or silver, gold. A brick's a, a brick, right? You can either use it to build a great house or you can use it to, you know, throw it at somebody and destroy them, right? Like it's, it's money is just, it's money. It depends on the use and depends on the heart of the user. Money is not inherently good. Money is not inherently evil, okay? Some people think money is all evil, right? Um, Look at number, letter B there. Some people idolize money. They look at it as a savior. They say, if I only have more, work, work for more, 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 more. They look at money as an idol, right? They idolize it. Second commandment says, shall I make for yourself any idols, right? Like, we know, we, we know that. Uh, Matthew six nineteen uh, through 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You cannot serve both God and money. You just can't do it. The Bible comes straight up and says you can't serve both God and money. Proverbs 23 says, do not acquire the toil wealth. When your eyes light on it, it's going to be gone. It's just going to fly away, right? Like, we can't idolize money. There are some people that do. Uh, we know that that's just not right. Let us see there. Many tele-evangelists. Uh, tele-evangelists say, God will bless you if you give to me. Like, you turn on late-night TV, and 
maybe you flip to a channel and some dude's trying to sell like a you know towel and it'll heal your neck, right? Um, what I would say to that is, beware of false prophets, right? Like he says, you know, give your money to me and God will bless you. That's just that's just wrong. Um, there's two extreme views, even in the Christian realm. Uh, we see here D and E. There's the prosperity gospel. Um, the prosperity gospel holds that financial blessing and well-being are always the will of God. It basically says if you just do great things, you have faith, if you have positive speech, God will bless you with blessings. I mean, that's just complete heresy, and it contradicts the gospel and God altogether. Right? It's, it's, it's nuts. Um, poverty theology, uh, that exists. Poverty theology basically says it's the opposite of prosperity theology. It says money and wealth are sinful. Poverty theology would quote Luke 18. It says how difficult it is for those to enter the kingdom of God, right? Like, you know, it's, it's for it is easier to go th- for the camel to go through an needle than the rich man to get to heaven of God. So it's like, well, we got to be, we got to be poor, right? Well, like in Luke 18, like that doesn't make any sense. Um, that passage, passage doesn't condemn wealth at all. It's actually Jesus's way of letting people know that they can only enter God's kingdom through uh, Jesus and by grace alone. And if you look at Luke 18 even further for the poverty gospel or uh, poverty theology, you look at Zacchaeus, he's a rich, crooked tax collector, and he ends up accepting Christ by grace alone, right? So that's just, that's, that's a wrong view, but it's out there. So we have poverty theology, we have prosperity theology, we have people say money is great, I love money, we have people who idolize money, we have people who say give money and God will bless you. There's all these views out there, right? Um, one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum, and we can, it can be confusing, um, but listen to this, and, and I think it's on your, on your notes here. We as followers of Jesus are called to be temperate and interpret Scripture with Scripture. Okay, we as lovers of Jesus are called to be temperate and to interpret Scripture with Scripture. Uh, what we've got to do is we've got to take our Bible, like we've got to do this, guys. We've got to take our Bible, we've got to open it up, and we've got to see what is God's view of money. And then depending on what God says about money, that's how we should view it. Like, that's, it's, it, it, it's very simple. Um, and so what I want to do is this. You'll see in your notes, it says, the Bible says this about money. What I want to do is just, like, machine gun scripture off to you. And, like, this is what the Bible says about money, okay? This is where we're going. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Fullness thereof means in everything in it. Uh, look at your paper. Psalm 89 says, the heavens are yours, the earth's also yours. All that is in it you have found of them. Uh, Psalm 50 says, for the world and its fullness are mine. That's God talking. Exodus 19, God tells Moses, for the earth is mine. Uh, Job 41 says, Whoever is under the, whatever is under the whole heaven and the whole earth is mine. That's God talking. Haggai 2 says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine. Exodus 9, Moses tells Pharaoh, the earth is the Lord's. Deuteronomy 10, behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and heavens of heaven and the earth with all that's in it. Look at Deuteronomy 8. That's a great one. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. And, like, that's just a few. Like, that's, that's, that's maybe, like, nine or ten. That's just a few. Like, we didn't even know about Proverbs, like, to look at the view of money. Uh, my point is this. By saying all that, my point is this. God's view of money is that it's his. Like, that may be tough to hear. It's his money. God's view of money is that it's his so your bank account, <clears throat> the money in your wallet, your debit card that's in your purse that's connected to, you know, an account number that's got your name, that's got a dollar amount next to it, like, that's not your money. And, like, let me soften that blow here in a second. But, like, we have to understand, like, it's God's money. Like, look at Deuteronomy 8. It said, 
he who gives you power to get wealth. Like, sure, remember God. God gives you the power to get wealth. It's not yours. Um, be humble. It's not your money. God is the root cause of all the money you have. We have to see that. Um, also, often I blow with this, like at times I find myself thinking that the money in my bank account is my money. Right? Like, that's just a fact. I think we're all there. Like you said, Brian, like, we're all there at times where, like, I feel like this ownership is mine. Like, I earned this money. I worked. We talk about, like, God's God's money. Like, I went to work and earned that money, right? Like, I'm there. I'm right there. And I think we all are. None of us are perfect. We need help. Uh, we need Jesus' help to help us and to continually set us straight and shape our view to be more like his. First uh, Timothy 6, 7 says, for we brought letter F here nothing into this world, and we can take everything out of it, right? No, we cannot take everything out of this world. It says we brought nothing into this world, and we could take nothing out of this world. Um, let, me, let me be, we, we, we just have to know this. Like, let me be so bold to say, like, if you don't, like, everything we flow through, everything we're going to talk about flows through how we view, like, we, have, we must view it rightly. Like, if we don't understand that the money we have is God's money, we're going to stay at an immature and an unhealthy view of what is rightly God's. We have to see that. And again, there's grace with that. But we have to be continually driven back to this is God's money that he's given me. It's paramount. Um, so that's the first way we can honor God with our, with our money. We can glorify God with our money is by viewing it rightly. But again, like that, it's not our money. It begs the question, though, right? It's like I earn money. Like I do have money, right? Like there is money in my bank account that God has given me. It just like begs that question, right? So it's like what do we do with it, right? Well, like look, number two, we must steward God's money well. We can glorify God with our money by stewarding God's money well. Um, definition of a steward is this. It's a person whose responsibility it is to take care of something, and it's to manage look after a steward's basically just like a manager okay steward steward God's money well just manage your money okay steward's a manager uh and when I think of how to when I think of how to manage money number one here and we're gonna we're gonna roll through these fast like this point next point we're just, we're just gonna, gonna roll through it fast okay so stay with me stay engaged I really don't want to lose you um one we need to remember that we are temporarily managing the things that eternally belong to God that's number one like if, again, like if you don't understand, like, hey, how do I steward my money well? Like, we're going to get some practical pieces, but like the first practical piece is like you have to remember, like, that it's just not your money, right? Like, you're a temporary, you're a steward, you're a manager. A manager is not an owner. A manager is someone who manages, right? A steward is not an owner, right? It's someone who takes care of something that they've been given. So we have to continually remember if we want to steward God's money well, we've got to remember uh, that forever, eternally, that money belongs to God, okay? Two, how do we manage money that God has given us? Well, I think a budget. That's yeah, on your piece of paper. Number two is budget. A budget is simply um, the estimate of income and expenses for a set period of time. That's what a budget is. Estimate, income, expenses for a set period of time. That's a budget. And whether your budget is written, whether your budget is understood in general, it's vital to know how much we make and how much we spend over a set period of time. Typically, it's like monthly, right? Whatever it is, whatever set period of time, it's vital to understand how much you make, how much you spend, Okay. God's called us to steward our money well, and it begins with a budget. 
well, actually, it's like number two. The first thing is what I said, but number two, right? It begins with the budget. It starts with the budget. Budget is near the beginning. Um, and this may be hard for you. Like, personally, like, budgeting is hard for me. And it, I can speak for Jill. It's, like hard, it's hard for us. Budgeting is hard for us. Like, just to be frank, like, it just, it just really is. Um, I can make it a bigger deal than what it is. Um, and the enemy can just throw different schemes to be like, ah, yeah, it's not really that important. Like, ah, just ignore it. Ah, don't do anything about it. And if that's you, if you find yourself there, uh, Proverbs 14, 23 says, in all toil there is profit, but, a, but mere talk only leads to poverty. Uh, and so I, I chose that because, to me, budgeting's work. And in all toil, there's profit, right? So like that verse is like, all right, if I work at this, man, it's going to pay off. It's going to go well for us. So let that encourage you. Um, budget, we got down Luke 14, 28. I don't think it's out of context because Luke 14, he's talking about counting the cost and it's really talking about the disciples that Jesus is saying like, dude, if you're going to follow me, like count the cost, right? But this is what Jesus says. He says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down, count the cost and has enough to complete it. Like Jesus, when he's saying, when he's talking to the disciples, he's just assuming like, if you're going to sit down and build a tower, like you're going to like, you're going to see if you have enough money, how much is going to spend, how much do I have? He just assumes, like, if you're going to do something with your money, if you're going to build this, he's like, you should just sit down. Look, he says it, sit down and count the cost. Like, it just kind of makes sense. And, and again, I'm not trying to take that out of context, but um, I, think it's, I think it's biblical. Um, so you've got to ask the question, are you spending too much? A budget can provide you much freedom. Okay, look, number three, we need to work. We need to work. Um, there was a guy that I, that I met with not long ago, and he said, uh, he said this. He said, hey, Kyle, what's your biggest asset? I was like, I don't know. I mean, like, my house, right? Like, I mean, it's kind of a trick question. Like, my life, like me, you know? And he's like, well, kind of. He's like, it's your income. Your key, the, the Achilles heel to your financial plan is your, is your income. Right? You have to have income. And so we have to work. And this is not a proponent of, like, hey, everyone in this room has to go out and work. We're not going to talk about work, stay at home, this and that. But, like, we have to earn, like, to steward God's money well, like, we have to have money in a sense. Like, so we have to work. We have to provide for our families. We have to have income uh, flowing through. Because, look, like, maybe it's more like we have to provide for our families through whatever means it is. Because look at First, First Timothy 5a. It says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for the members of his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It's like, wow. Wow, like if I don't provide my family, I've denied the faith and I'm worse than a believer. Like I should probably work, right? I need to make money. Uh, money doesn't usually just show up in your mailbox, right? Like money's usually, you're usually like cutting checks with stuff that comes in your mailbox, right? Like at least, at least that's how it is for us. Um, number four, we need to do all we can not to accumulate debt. This is huge. We need to do all we can to not accumulate debt. We need to try and run from debt. Okay? Now, the Bible doesn't say it's a sin to borrow money. Okay, but the Bible also doesn't say it's wise to borrow money. Okay, the Bible doesn't say, like, God doesn't say, like, hey, if you just go borrow a bunch of money and get into that, like, I'm going to bail you out, right? It's almost like the people are like, oh, my, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, right? Like, no, like, I mean, there's consequences for making, like, poor choices, and God won't always bail you out of debt. Uh, we need to try to run from debt. And I'll say this as well. I was thinking about it. Like, if we have an emergency, we're going to talk about an emergency. Um, but as far as debt, like, if there's, if something happens, right? If there's a kid breaks his leg, you, you know, something happens to your house, you lose your job, something happens to your car. If we run to take out debt to pay for that, like, really think about this. Like, we could be overlooking 
and getting in the way of God's chosen means to maybe provide for us. We could be maybe even missing out. If, the, if our first thing is like, man, I got to go get some debt because I got to pay for this emergency. Like we, we could be missing out on, what, on some serious blessing on what God's trying to do. Um, if you're thinking about taking out debt, slow down. Put on the brakes. Proverbs 20, 22, 7 says, the borrower is a slave of the lender. Put on the brakes. Debt's a big deal. Consider it. Weigh it. Get advice. Talk about it. Pray about it. Read what the Bible has to say. It's a serious decision. Like, again, like we shouldn't be getting into debt. Like, as believers, to steward our money well, we have to try to get out of debt. Okay? Um, so think about that. Five is prepare for emergencies. Prepare for emergencies. I think by stewarding our God, God's money well, um, we can prepare for emergencies. Proverbs 6 um, is talking about the ant. And it says, like, consider the ant, are you slugger? Like, go look at her ways. Like, the, the, what the ant is doing without having a chief ruler. She prepares her bread in the summer and for harvest. Like, what we see the ant doing is the ant's working, right? The ant's like, okay, like, something's going to happen in the harvest. Like, I need to work now. So, like, when something happens, um, you know, I can hopefully take care of myself, right? Um, Proverbs 27, 23 says, know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. I think what that means is, like, you know, we don't have a crystal ball. Right? Like, we, all can, we can't see the future. Um, but, like, we should be able to be prepared, in a sense, for emergencies. Um, you know, do you need a new air conditioner? Do you need a new roof? Do you need a new car? The key slide is like, yeah, do I just get my furniture replaced? It's like a lot of money, right? Do you need a new transmission on your car? Um, do you need this? Do you need that? You don't have a crystal ball. But at the same time, I think when we steward our money well, for God's glory, we have to plan and set aside money for emergencies, I think that's just that's a practical step. Um, number six in your, in your paper, write down save and invest. How do we manage the money well God's given us, steward it well? We have to save and invest. I think that should be something that's um, strived for. And it, it probably won't be <sighs> applicable or reasonable in every season of life. And I think that's understood. Again, like none of these are things that you all have to go home and do now. Like I have to prepare for, like again, don't make it complicated, right? These are things in general that you should aspire towards. And by God's grace over time, he'll allow you to get there. Um, but in that is saving and investing. Look at Proverbs 21.10, um, precious treasure and oil are in the wise man's dwelling. So the wise man's got some stuff in his house, um, you know, that he's saved. Ecclesiastes 11, give a portion to seven, give a portion to eight, for you know not what disaster might happen on earth. And so that's almost like diversification in your financial portfolio, right? Like give some here, some here, some here. They don't know what's going to happen. Diversify, right? Save, invest, make your money work for you. Compound interest. Um, I don't fully understand it at all. People tell me it's amazing. I just trust them. Um, really, I, I don't understand it. Uh, Matthew 25, when it comes to saving and investing, you look, you, Matthew 25 is a parable of talents. Um, you have three men with varying talents. And God gave, you know, five to one, two to one, two to another. And the point is, um, what did the guy with five and one do? They did something with it. The point is not, probably the point of the parable is, you know, hey, this is what happened that one. But, like, the point I'm trying to make is, like, what did the guy with five do and two do? He did something with what he received. God gave him a lot, and they made their money work for them. They invested it. They saved it. They did something with it. And I think, like, we should take the principle of, like, simply through that parable is, like, we should probably just do the same thing. Save our money. Invest our money. Um, make your money work for you. Number seven is avoid your bills. Just kidding. Um, 
It's actually pay your bills, <laughs> okay? Pay your bills. Uh, this would be a simple one. It's something I kind of threw in there, I think a few days ago. I think it was steward our money as well. Like, I think there's some bills. It's like, man, I should probably pay that bill, right? Uh, Romans 13, 7 says, pay all to what is owed them. You just got to pay your bills. That's a pretty simple one. You get a bill, you should probably just pay it. Um, number eight, get advice. Get advice. Um, when it comes to stewarding God's money well, we have to have advice. Um, don't try to be a know-it-all. You probably don't know it all. There's probably someone that's way smarter than you. Um, it's not going to be me, I'll tell you that, but it's probably going to be someone way smarter than you. Um, when it comes to money and your finances, don't think you know it all. Get advice. Um, if you look at Proverbs, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 15 says, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. And, like, as far as the advice with money, and, again, like, money's something that, like, you know, I don't know your money situation, yours, yours, you may not know mine, right? But, like, because it's something that we tend to build this wall, right? We tend to build this wall. But if we want to love each other and we want to do community well, it's something, and, again, if we want to have healthy markers towards health as we love Jesus, it's not saying, like, hey, I'm going to show you my budget. We're going to, you know, plaster it all over the city. Like, no, I probably don't think that's a good thing to do. But at the same time, and we need to be open about it. We need to get advice, whether it's from each other, whether it's a community group, whether it's here, whether it's there. I think it's something we need to be open to um, what God's doing. And, and I think um, a lot of that comes from advice. Even if it's like, hey, man, I'm not in a, I'm not in a poor financial situation. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm okay, but how do I, you know, invest, right? How do I prepare? How do I save? How do I do this compound interest thing? It's like, I don't know. Like there's, you know, plug for Northwestern Mutual. I mean, there's a lot of people who know what they're doing over there. Uh, Brian's one of them. I was going to make a dig on you, man. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not going to do it. I'm sorry, man. Didn't plan it. Uh, but get advice, okay? Number nine, we'll fly through these. Build a legacy. Uh, and that flows through like save and invest, get advice. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Build a legacy. Um, and I think in, in Proverbs 13.22, it's, it's more than merely a financial inheritance. And I think... The writer of Proverbs is talking about character, morals, you know, gospel, Jesus. Like, leave that spiritual inheritance. But I don't think this verse is void of a type of material or a type of financial blessing to your children and your children's children. Again, this is something to aspire to. This is something we should work towards as, we, as, we, as God blesses us with money. This is something that we should aspire towards, okay? Build a legacy. And it's tied with a lot of other of these, okay? Ten. Um, write down, have a vision. Have a vision of where you want to go financially. So when you think vision, like, um, I'm 30, okay? Uh, and, you know, what do I want to be when I'm 65? All right, that's like a pretty lofty question. Like, uh, you know, I need advice for that, for one thing, right? That flows into, flows into another one. Um, but, like, where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 30 years? However, like, wherever you're at, where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 30 years? Think about that. Talk about that consider what that looks like and what it'll take to get there. And then it's like, okay, what do I need to do in the next three to five years? Work backwards. What do I need to do in the next one to three years? What do I need to do in the next 90 days? All right, so I want to go here. Like, have your vision be something that is constant, almost unwavering, you know, as an anchor. This is where you want to go. Your strategies on how you get there over the next 90 days, one to three, three to five, in the meantime, could change. But have a vision. I think it's very important if we want to steward our God's, God's money well, um, I think we, have a, we need to have a vision. This will help you stay the course, okay? Number 11, um, don't give money. No, uh, sorry, I should stop. Don't love money. 
okay? Uh, we kind of already talked about it. Um, I'll actually, I'll, I'll just not say some things I was, I was going to say here truly, but, but don't love money. It's a tough one, right? Um, the love of money is the root of all evil. Again, money's not evil. The love of money. When we find ourselves loving money more than we love Jesus, you know, like we got problems. And, and I would say we've all been there. I've been there. We've all loved money at times when we shouldn't love money. The first and second commandment. We're big on the commandments at our house. Uh, first commandment is you shall have no other gods before me, right? Idolize. The second commandment is um, you should not make for yourself any idols, right? Don't love money. Um, he, I wrote down here Hebrews 13, 5, and 6. That's good. If you have a Bible or something, flip there. We're not going to necessarily read it, but like mark that down, man. That's a, that's a really good one. Uh, Hebrews 13, 13, 5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And that's tough, man. That's just really tough. Like, how do we fight that? It says, keep your life free from the love of money. That's a feeling. Like, that's hard. Like, keep your life free from the love of money. It's hard to fight that feeling. Uh, like, how do, we, how do we fight that, right? Um, that's a really good question. Like, should we be content? Yeah, Paul says, I've learned to be content in all situations, right? So it's just almost like, it's not just saying, hey, be content. You know, it's a, I got this real feeling, right? Uh, I think you should know God's word, preach yourself God's word, plug for community, plug for prayer, plug for, um, you know, being open with where you're at, plug, plug for uh, getting in the Bible and actually reading it, uh, fighting for it. I think we do those things, that'll help us combat our love for money. If we continually set our, you know, like Brian said, like a lot of times we're here, a lot of times we're here. If we can be here, view money rightly, not just in the middle, but view it rightly, through what the Bible says, through prayer, through others, um, I thank God, and by his grace, he'll free us from the love of money. And then two weeks later, you're going to find yourself loving money again. But you know what? You're going to be on this slow trajectory called sanctification towards perfection, which will ultimately be one day <coughs> with Christ. Um, preach yourself, preach to yourself God's word um, until it changes you. A good reset there when it comes to love and money. Uh, I think I wrote down Proverbs eleven twenty eight. Whoever trusts in riches will fall. You're just going to fail. If you trust in riches, if you trust that, you're just going to fail. Just, the Bible just says it. Uh, Twelve, how do we steward it well? Give your money. That flows into our third, third point, our last point. Um, how do we, how do we um, glorify God with our money? It's by giving generously. That's number three, by giving generously. Um, so how does this look? So <clears throat> there's, a, there's a story um, that I heard once, and I'll make it super brief. Um, a man was having a hard time. Uh, there's a believer in the church. I think I heard the story on the radio. I'm like super paraphrase it. A uh, man was having a hard time giving money, and the pastor said, and the pastor said hey, you need, to, you need to give. He had a hard time. Hey, you need to give. He had a hard time, couldn't do it. And he said, okay, finally he said this. He said, look, he said, I'll just cut you a check at the end of the year for all the money that you gave to our church, and then will you be okay with it? He's like, heck yeah, man, I'll be all right with that, right? You give me my money back, I'll give it to you. And he said, really? Like, you're going to trust me, a mere man, as opposed to trusting a sovereign, good, loving, faithful God when it comes to your money? He's like, uh, yeah, probably shouldn't, right? And so that's, that, that illustration's not, I'm not saying, like, if you give to God, I'll bless you. I'm not saying that. I think we see in Scripture that happens, um, but my, my point is not that. My point is, like, give and trust. Give generously and just trust. And God and his sovereignty and his goodness 
will bless you on his terms when he wants to, how he wants to, whether it's now or whether it's in eternity. He'll do that. Okay, so give and trust. Trust God over man all day long. All right. Um, number one, as believers, we'll, we'll flow through these. As believers, we are called to be givers. Okay, we are not not called to be givers. We're called to be givers. Proverbs 3, <clears throat> 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your crops and your barns will overflow. Uh, we'll have all we need. Um, again, that's not so, some form of prosperity gospel because, again, that's heresy and it contradicts the gospel completely and God altogether. Uh, but it is uh, give and God will take care of you because he's a good God. Okay, we, we're called. We have this call on us when we follow Christ. We have this call on us to be um, givers. You see Jesus in Acts 20, uh, wrote it here, it's more blessed to give than receive, right? You look at, uh, it's, almost like, it's almost like give as you've been given, right? Not like a, I, th- I thought of like the parable of the unforgiving servant, right? Like that dude owed a debt he couldn't pay. And again, this, this is probably like a rough analogy, but he owed a debt he couldn't pay. And then he went and he strangled the dude for like 10 bucks, right? Like we shouldn't do that. We're called to be givers. We should give generously. Okay, give as you have been given. Um, we see numerous examples in the Old Testament and the New Testament over and over of people being generous and exemplifying for us tithing, offering. Um, we see that over and over. Uh, so we're, we have that call on us as believers to be givers. Number two, write down giving is an act of worship. All right? This is, a, this is an interesting one. Um, as I was thinking about it, you know, it's something that I don't, I don't regularly think of. It's something that's, something that's tricky, um, tricky for me to, to grasp, uh, but, but I think it's there. And I was going to, and it comes from this. Hopefully I wrote it down. Yeah, Philippians 4, 14 through 20. I'm just going to read it. I don't by any means have, have it memorized at all. Um, but, but Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians, right? And he says, um, and it was kind of you to share my trouble, as you Philippians yourselves know. Um, at the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. He's talking to the Philippians, right? Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs. And once again, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases your credit. I receive full payment more and more. I'm well supplied, having received this to kicker, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, and a sacrifice acceptable, pleasing to God. So he calls... He thanked, he, he thanked the Philippians for their gift, and he basically called it an act of worship. He thanked them for their sacrifice and their fragrant offering. Um, and that was, to me, that's just, that, that's good. Like our giving then is um, an act of worship. It goes past any duty we have. It goes past any obligation. Uh, our giving should reflect a true heart of worship um, to God. And, and, and look at this. This is good. In Mark 12, I'm excited. To, we're going we're gonna to get there eventually in Mark 12. Man, this, this is good. Um, I, I actually just want to read it. Follow along with me here on number two, giving an act of worship, Mark 12. He sat down, he, Jesus, opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of you contributing to the offering box, for they all contribute out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put everything, all she had, to live on. It's like, man, that's, that's good. <laughs> like, it's almost like an understatement, I feel like. That's, just, that, that's good. She had faith in God's provision. She trusted God. She looked at her, what she had and what she gave as an offering. Um, and, 
and as a sacrifice. And I, I heard this story once again. Like I'm, I'm actually a big fan of the radio. Um, and and the story was on, was on the radio. <laughs> Jill's smiling at me because we perpetually listen to 89.7. And um, the story one, one time is about like this kid, he's got two nickels. Mom gives him one nickel. Uh, he's going to church. Mom gives him one nickel for God, gives him one nickel. Go get some food after church, right? He's walking to church. He's got two nickels in each of his hand. He's walking down the way. Uh, he trips, drops a nickel into the sewer, and it's like, oh, well, there goes God's nickel, right? Like, <clears throat> and, like, aren't we there? Like, a lot of times, like, I heard that. I'm like, man, like, I'm there, right? Like, my, my giving is not an act of worship at that moment. Like, and I'm, I'm being selfish, right? I'm not sacrificing at all. Like, man, like, there goes God's money, like. I'm there, man, and, and aren't we all? And, and we see here in the widow's offer, like, she wasn't there. Like, we need to take this as, as an example. I almost dropped. Um, number three, <clears throat> our giving should be generous and sacrificial. This is huge. We can't miss this one. Um, this goes back to budgeting. Again, um, regardless of the income you have and your expenses, uh, you have a call on you as a believer to give generously and to give sacrificially. Again, how do we, how do we glorify God with our money? We have to give it generously. We don't just give it we got to give it generously. You see here in the widow's offering, they were just giving their money. They were just regular, just giving it, giving it, giving it. It wasn't a worship, giving what, you know, just giving the minimum. We're not called to do that, okay? We're not called to give the minimum. We're called to be generous and sacrificial. Look at Acts chapter 4. I mean, Acts chapter 4, like all the believers had one thing in common. People selling their stuff, giving it. No one had any needs. They're doing this, they're doing that. They're generous. They're sacrificing. They're giving. Like, and we see that. Like, that's a model for us. Like, we as believers should exemplify that as as well. Um, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. This is, this is a good one too. I'm not going to read it all, um, but it's there for you. You see the believers there, they were in severe affliction. Um, they're, they had extreme poverty, and in that overflowed a wealth of generosity beyond their means of their own accord. So like they were in poverty, they were afflicted, they probably didn't have a lot of money. They probably didn't have any, right? But what did we see? What do we see them do in, in verse 2? Um, they are overly generous beyond their means of their own accord. That's an example for us. Uh, I want to I quote this for you. I want to quote C.S. Lewis real quick. Um, C.S. Lewis said this about, about being generous and sacrificial with your money. He said, I do not believe one can settle on how much he ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. It's tough. If, if, our, if our charities, if our giving habits do not at all pinch or hamper us, I say they're too small. There ought to be, the thing, there ought to be things that we should like to do, that, but that we cannot do because our giving excludes them. That's tough. Man. That's, it's a good quote. Um, it's tough, and it's just a, it's a model for us that our giving should be sacrificial. In some prep work, I read Donald Whitney, and uh, he had a quote that said, um, giving is not sacrificial unless you sacrifice to give. That just stuck with me. Like, that's obvious. It's not sacrificial unless you sacrifice. But, but again, it's budget it. Put it in your budget to be sacrificial. That's, that's huge. Um, number four, again, we're rolling quick. Number four, uh, get out of, give out of a pure heart, love, and give cheerfully. Give cheerfully. That's the answer. Give cheerfully. Don't, it doesn't say give begrudgingly. Give because you have to. The Bible actually says if we want to honor God with our money, we need to cheerfully give. Um, you look at uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 9, God loves a cheerful giver. Am I going to read it? 
This is there for us. God loves a cheerful giver. Um, give cheerfully because you have been given. Uh, look at number five. Give regularly and plan for it. It doesn't say hold all your money back and regularly and don't plan on giving. Um, the point is give regularly, plan for giving, have it be systematically, have a system for giving and giving generously. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2 says, On the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up that he may prosper, so that will be no collecting. When I, like, the point of that is like, like, like have an offering, have it, be, have it planned, have a system, have it regular, plan for it, um, give regularly. Uh, have it be on your mind. Let's not get lackadaisical on this. Like that's something I can get lackadaisical on. Like we're in the day and age of, of uh, you know, auto debits for your paycheck. Probably a lot of us are. Which I'm like sometimes I don't even know when I get paid. Right? Like when when is this when is this going in? Like, you know, we can, I can find myself getting lackadaisical on this. Just just truly, um, and it's something that if we want to give generously, if we want to glorify God with our money, we have to have a plan. We have to have it regular. We have to have a system for it. Um, is for, for giving it generously. That's just what we need to do. Um, Mueller, this is a good Mueller quote. He said this, listen to this. This is good, and we're, we're about done. Um, he said this, he said, are you giving systematically to the Lord's work, or are you leaving it to feeling? Are you leaving your giving to feeling? He said, if we do not give systematically, we shall find that our one brief life is gone before we are aware of it. And that in return, we have done little for that adorable one who bought us with his precious blood and to whom belongs all things we have and are. Uh, number five, our point is we need to give systematically. We need to plan for it. Okay. Last, further the kingdom. We need to give to further the kingdom. We need to give to meet needs. We need to help one another. Look at Acts 4. No one had a need. Everyone was selling their stuff and giving it to, giving it to other people. Uh, we need to do the same thing. We see a need. Do we have to meet every need? No. We don't. But are you meeting needs right now? Other needs that you're not meeting that you should be meeting um, for the kingdom? First uh, John 3 says, If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? That's, it's, con- it's convicting. Uh, we need to give to further the kingdom. So to conclude, uh, how do we glorify God with our money? It's how we view it, we must view it rightly, uh, we must steward it well, and we must give generously. Um, our, our money almost represents who we are, right? Like, money's a big thing. It almost represents who we are. Your bank account tells a story about you and how you view money. Your bank account tells a story. And whether you're starting out on the money journey, whether you're down the road on the money journey, whether you're near the end on the money journey, um, we all need Jesus. There's just a fact. Yeah, I just, I just want to see that. Um, we, we all need Jesus. Jesus, the gospel, is not excluded in the topic of money and finances. It's just not. We have to connect those dots. You and I haven't outgrown Jesus and his grace. We're, we're not there. Um, my encouragement to us is let us be good ambassadors of Christ and glorify God with our money by viewing it rightly, stewarding it rightly, giving it rightly. Well, for his glory, let me pray for us, and uh, Brian's going to come up, and I think we'll do a Q&A, watch a video, um, but just let me, let me pray for us, okay? Holy Spirit, cause our hearts to see our great need for a Savior when it comes to our money and our finances. Keep us from worry. Let us seek first your kingdom 
and your righteousness and trust and rest and faith that you are a merciful and a gracious king who loves um, to use willing and, and, and obedient hearts. Proverbs, Proverbs 30, um, remove far from us, God. This is, our, this, is our, this is our prayer. It's my prayer for us. Remove far from us falsehood and lying. Give us, as the people of Delta, neither poverty nor riches. Feed us with the food that is needful for us, lest we be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest we be poor and steal and profane your name. Shape us, God, for your glory. Amen. Uh, Kyle's going to hate this, but uh, if you've been blessed by what uh, he's done, this is a lot of work. He's been prepared. Let's, uh, let's thank Kyle. So uh, I've got some, some uh, questions. I'll, I'll ask you a question to get us rolling. If you have a question, uh, feel free to raise your hand. We'll, uh, Kyle will call on you. Um, Kyle, you mentioned that you and Jill um, do a budget. If someone was wanting to start do a, to do a budget, like what's the first step? What yeah. do you, how do you do that? That's a good question. Uh, I, w- I wish I had them in front of me. I'm gonna ask you to repeat them a hundred times. Um, so we'll, if you want to start budgeting, I think uh, you just gotta start. Like, I, <laughs> if you want to start budgeting, like take this piece of paper and keep it. Um, use it as a reference guide for scripture. Uh, if you want to start budgeting, I think you gotta let scripture inform uh, the, the way you view it. Um, but at the same time, like like I said, for me and for Jill, I probably just speaking for, but. I couldn't make it too big of a deal. Um, and I think if you set fear aside of like maybe not having enough money, um, I think if you set that aside and you actually do the work and budget, I think you'll find that it's, uh, it's a blessing. Uh, what are some challenges that you and Jill have um, in developing a budget, sticking to the budget? Um, yeah, challenges. Uh, challenges, developing and sticking to a budget. So our budget's like, our budget's understood. Um, so I think to understand, so that, that means like we don't sit down on the first of the month or the thirtieth of the month and like write down a budget. Like we just don't do that. But, I th- but we live with the understanding of, of our means and what we make and what we spend. And I think in order to live with like an understood budget, which again, this may not apply to everybody. It may not, may not be applicable to everybody. Um, I think to understand it, you have to actually write a budget. You have to have one. Um, and so I'll repeat the question. Well, in just our conversation, you said so you don't write down a, a budget every month, but obviously you have one that you've, you've understood. And every six months or so, every year, you c- kind of no, reevaluate yeah, things? No, that's good. Yeah, so how do we live with, within our means? So I think we've got to understand it. Um, we do it every year. Uh, that's just typically, like, practically how it plays out for us is, by God's grace, you know, well, we get a merit raise every year. Uh, usually things come out yearly for us, like, you know, like car insurance, homeowner's insurance, taxes. You know, our income changes every year. Uh, and so we get a good, good feel of what the, what the year is going to look like um, around. And for us, it's like mid-April. That's just kind of when things kind of happen. Uh, and so we sit down and make a budget. So we did that recently, and I hated it. <laughs> but, but we did it, and uh, it's good. It's good, to, it's good to know how much you make and how much you spend. And, and I think uh, we, we just try to live within those means. Um, yeah, I like that you maybe. said you hated it. I, uh, I, I, I'm not a fan of, of, it's completely necessary, I think, yeah. but I'm not a fan of making a budget. Uh, I had a professor in, I went to Illinois, Col- Illinois College. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't often wear, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, many of you think I, go to Notre, I went to Notre Dame, because usually it's a Notre Dame t-shirt, but uh, 
Um, went to Illinois College, and I had, uh, he was my advisor, but he was a finance professor. My major was sociology, minor in religion, and he knew I was going to seminary. He said, hey, why don't you take, why don't you take a finance class? Because if you're going into the ministry, um, a lot of marital problems stem from yeah. financial discussions. So I know that might not be why you hate it. Sometimes that's why I hate it. Like, we don't get in arguments, but it's just, I feel feel a little, you know, a defensive posture. Maybe Amanda doesn't perceive that, but I mean, certainly it's just, yeah. I'm not myself. No. That's uh, good. I've got a bunch written down, but uh, any, anyone have any questions for, for Kyle? So you're referencing John Kleinschmidt? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> but that's a real statement. Uh, Duplantis or some, right, yeah, made recently, so. good distinction, man. I think it's spot on. Yeah, completely agree. Good questions. Yeah, Ray. So my question would be, uh, we're talking about giving sacrificially, but in light of saving and investing, if you're saving and investing, you can always be giving more. So where's that balance between yeah. giving, saving, and investing? Yeah. No, that's good. And so I think I heard something recently. It was like, give now so you know where your money's going. And so I would just, like, I wouldn't hold off giving. And that's a, that's a fine balance, man. I mean, I think you guys have to, have to talk about that. I, my gut is I, I wouldn't hold off giving generously. I would almost make that like a line item in your budget when you're, you know, when you're making a budget and you're, and you're saying, like, man, I'm going to tie this much. And I think all of your expenditures should be at least up front. Like, I need a tithe, I want to give to this, give to this, give to this, give to this. And then it's like, in light of that, how much we save? And that may fluctuate over time. Maybe you're not saving as much as you want to save. And I think that's where, like, a good advice, sound advice would, would come in. Um, I don't know if I, if I have that for you. <laughs> but um, it is a tricky balance. Um, but I, wouldn't, I would say, like, if you're not giving overall generously for the sake of saving, I think you should maybe just reevaluate. Be my gut. Good question. Yeah, Charles.
Yeah, that's, that's a good word, Charles. Um, what's his first name? Rockefeller. First name, Rockefeller. The, what's his first name? The, the old one. So, uh, anyway, the Rock, Rockefeller, the oil guy in the early 1900s. Um, John D. Rockefeller, thank you. Rottenfeller, they called him, because he was a rotten feller, and some people thought. Rockefeller, he was a Christian. Um, I mean, we're not to judge souls, but you know, he, he was a Christian, uh, grew up in the church, um, so we, I guess he was a Christian. But he tithed his money, and he was the wealthiest man, they say, that um, in, in modern times. Um, and he funded, he, he, he was a tither, uh, so he gave 10%, and I think he has a quote that says, um, I wouldn't be able to give 10% of my billions if it wasn't for, you know, uh, when I was younger, 10% of my yeah. dollar or something like that. And so, Charles, to your point, it's much easier when the amount isn't there, and as, Lord willing, the amount grows, it, it doesn't get hard. So that's good. Ginger. Point. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'd say like that's that's I think the primary point that verse in Proverbs is trying to make. I mean I don't think it excludes financial blessing. Um, but I think it's more of the character, morals, and behavior when it's talking about leaving inheritance, like leave that. Yeah, financial for sure, but I agree with that. Other questions? Yeah, that's a good question. So we've... We actually just started working with the, one of Brian's co-works over at uh, Northwestern Mutual, another, another plug for him. Uh, and so, like, we just got this re- retirement plan. You know, it's like 65. He's like, when do you want to retire? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like, I can't probably pin a day. Like, don't work forever, but 65, right? It's just a good place to start. And so we're there. You know, we're, we're doing, like, life insurance. And it's like, you know, upon your, you know, my death, Jill will receive it. And it's just like all this weird, you know, we're, we're thinking way out. Um, that's kind of where we're at now, um, and it can be overwhelming, but that's why, you know, that's, that have a vision and work backwards um, would, would be my encouragement. Work backwards in terms of years. What do I need to do five years, three years, one year now to get there? And part of getting there is just, like, take that first step, but we're, we're trying to do way out right now. Um, I wish we would, maybe would have done it sooner, but just weren't able to. That answers your question at all. We have one minute. One more question, anyone? In the back. (laughs) I told you it was going to happen.
For sure.
Good, good discussion. As always, um, Kyle's going to be available for, for questions. Elders are available uh, for questions. I want to uh, point your attention to the handout, estimated budget. Um, I got this because it didn't say a ministry name on it or it didn't advertise anything. So it's simple. Um, if you're looking for a place to start, um, income goes upper hand left, list your expenses out. It's just give you some categories to think through. And then uh, an article by John Piper, The Secret to Being Content with Your Bank Balance. I think Piper's really good on proper view of money. Um, so I want to put this uh, before you as something, uh, something to read. Um, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the grace and the mercy you've shown us through your son, Jesus Christ, and his death on the cross. Lord, that is the riches. Those are the riches that we, we truly need. And Lord, you have uh, awaiting for us in your kingdom, riches, uh, pleasures forevermore. God, keep our eyes on that. Keep our eyes on you. Um, Lord, would the things of this earth grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and your grace. Um, meanwhile, Lord, let us be good stewards of what you've given us. Help us to live rightly and to glorify you with our money. Thank you for this time. Thank you for these people. Thank you for this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much, everyone, for being here.